0: say the game is getting old, Monday morning and your coffee's cold, life is not what you wanted to Hello everyone and welcome to and A New change. Direction, my name is Jay Izzo and oh man, do we have a great show for you. Let me just say something to you folks, you ever been to those networking groups? How's that working out for you? Right, probably just like everybody else, right? You kind of go to these networking groups and there's a whole bunch of people there. You don't know, you know, really anybody. And it's kind of awkward and, and you're trying to figure out, okay, you know, what do you get started? And yeah, maybe they, maybe they, you know, say, hey, welcome to the networking group. And it's a, And then you go and you try to meet some, and the conversations are awkward and you just don't know how to get started. And then you walk away, you hand it out a bunch of cards and at the end of the day, you know what? You never heard from anybody ever again. And we call that networking. mm, mm, mm. mm. That's just awful, isn't it? What if I told you there was a better way? Because there is. We're going to talk to Nick Gray. Yes, that Nick Gray. I I know. You heard of him. The museum hack, right? TEDx, right? It's it's him, okay? He wrote this outstanding book. It's called The Two Hour Cocktail Party. It's absolutely fabulous. I have read it. In fact, I'm going to do it. I have been so impressed with this book. I've, I've I've gone through this book twice. I've read it all the way through, and then I went back through it after I highlighted it and looked at it again. And every time I've read it, I went, "This just makes so much sense." I want I want a networking party of about fifteen people that I can intimately get to know, where my relationships don't grow wider; they grow deeper, because it's the depth of the relationship. That's going to make the changes in your personal life and your business life. I'm telling you that, and Nick is going to help you do that today. So listen, get out your pens and pencils. And if you're driving on the road and listening to us on a podcast, do not get out a pen and pencil. I just want you to do mental notes and then then listen to it later, take notes. Okay, if you do that. You're watching us on DBTV, right? Thank you, everywhere, all over the world, for doing this. I'm telling you, get out your pens and pencils. Too. We're gonna we're gonna walk you through this because this, it is powerful. And it, it just makes so, and, and so much sense. And by the way, he has demonstrated this over and over and over and over again with different people all over. And I'm telling you, it's going to work for you and, and you're going to love this. All right. But before we get to Nick, that's what we do every week, right? We are four part people. We're physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. And the truth of the matter is, as we all know, is that we never stay static. So if we're not growing in these four areas, we're dying. That's the truth. All right. And by the way, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, that includes the relational, right? And means that we got to be intentional about our relationships. means we got to be intentional about our physical area, be intentional about our mental and intellectual area. We got to be intentional about our emotional area. We got to be intentional about our spiritual area. We have to be intentional. And that's the beautiful thing what Nick does in this book. And that's what we're going to talk about here in a second. So here's what we do on the show. I have you rank yourself on a scale of one to 10 in terms of each area. So like, let's take the physical. So, how are you doing eating right, getting enough exercise, drinking enough water, you know, getting enough sleep, right? Maybe getting checkups, right? And, and, and one being, ugh, my mouthful. Ten being, oh, I couldn't be any better. Five being average, right? What's your number? Now, listen, here's a point. Whatever your number is, I don't want you to feel guilty about that. That's not what I want you to do. What I want you to do is I want you to say, okay, if my number's a two, what can I do right now to improve? If your number's a seven, what can I do to get to a 7.25? Whatever that may be, what can you do right now to make it a difference, all right? So, whatever that number is, it's in your number, all right? So, hold on to that first number. Second number is the intellectual mental number, right? You know, my wife says this all the time. You know what? Don't be a couch potato because you can't just let information come out. You need to be active in your learning. You know what a great way to be active in your learning is? Read a book like the two-hour cocktail party. That would be a great idea for you to do, right? Here's the thing. You know we have two of of brain right right brain left brain right brain's creative left brain's more logical right and what we want to do is we want to exercise both of those but we have to be intentional and we have to be actively pursuing to grow in knowledge and understanding so on a scale of um, one to ten how would you rate yourself in your intellectual and mental area okay that's your second number the third number is your emotional number and you know we've done a lot of work on this show over the course of the last five years talking about you know Daniel Goleman's work in terms of emotional quotients and emotional intelligence but we make it really easy here. First one is, you know, how would you evaluate yourself under stress and pressure being able to control your emotions? And then secondly, how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of other people? Can I tell you something about this book that fits right in there? Let me tell you what let me tell you about this book. You cannot go to a networking event and meet try to meet 20, 30 people, hand out a bunch of cards, and there's no way that you can really tap into and understand the emotions of other people. But when you have 15 people that you can go deep with, guess what? You start practicing active listening and you start practicing great conversation. So on a scale 1 to 10, how would you evaluate yourself emotionally? And then finally, the third area is the spiritual area, right? And uh, listen, we're all spiritual people. We all live by faith. The truth of the matter is we make plans for the future. We don't know if they're going to happen, but we believe they will. That's faith. Uh, you put your key in the car, you turn it over and you believe it's going to turn over (laughs) and that's faith. You drank your cup of coffee this morning and you believed it wasn't poisonous because you drank it. That's faith. And by the way, you know what? The truth of the matter is it's not something that we see, but it's no that we all know that it exists. We know that there's something inside of us. That's a, that's a spirit that there's the spirit of the human spirit. There's something that we connect to that's outside of us. You know, the fact of the matter, it's like the wind, right? Where does the wind come from? Do you know? now. But yet we see the results of the wind. The truth is the same thing about your spirit. You may not be able to see it, but we all see the effects of it, right? So then the question becomes, what gives you a sense of joy and peace in the midst of chaos? Is it, is it God? Is it nature? Is it meditation? Is it something else? And how's it working for you? So on a scale of one to 10, how would you evaluate that area? Those four areas like the air and the tires of your car, if one of the t- tires are low, guess what happens? The car veers and it doesn't run as well and it doesn't work as efficiently. And at the same time, if all four tires are too low, it can ruin the car. Right, So, we want to bring our tires to the right height. And speaking of somebody who's got his air and his tires filled to the right level, his name is Nick Gray. He's an entrepreneur. He's an author. He lives in Austin, Texas. One of my favorite cities. He started with and sold two successful companies. You might have heard of them, Flight Display Systems and Museum Hack. Um, over 75,000 people have watched his TEDx talk about why he hates most museums, which is why he started uh, Museum Hack. Nick's the author of the Two Hour Cocktail Party, a step-by-step handbook that teaches you on how to build big relationships by hosting small gatherings. He's been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, New York Magazine, and they call him the uh, a host of cultural significant parties. You can visit his websites, uh, NickGray.net, and party.pro, or find him on social media all over Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, etc. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to A New Direction. Welcome for the first time to the show, Nick Gray. Nick, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here, Jay. This is awesome.
0: Well, I I think you're awesome. I think the book's awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Let's dig right into this book because it's awesome and amazing. And uh, you actually what you actually have a story that this all came out of and i thought your story was quite interesting because you I th- you were in new york at the time right and you yes, were you yes. were you were struggling with building relationships at the time right so maybe give people yeah. a little background in your story and why this became so important to you
1: So, I moved to New York. I didn't know a lot of people. I was in my mid 20s. I was not an extrovert. I did not do well at networking events or loud clubs. And I would leave those events feeling frustrated and kind of blame myself like something I was doing was wrong. And I would say, oh, God, you know, all these missed opportunities. You know, I live in this big city, but why do I feel more alone than ever? And that was kind of my origin story that I I realized I needed to do something different. And I realized that instead of going to bad events, I would learn how to host good events.
0: Mm.
1: Instead of going to bad parties, I would bring the party to me. Mm. So I started to host my own events. And through a series of experiments, I've hosted hundreds of parties now, I learned that there's a specific formula to make them successful that anyone can learn.
0: Yes. I I agree with you that this. I when I read it, I I read it because you you know you and I had a little conversation. People don't know that some you know authors we talk and I wasn't sure the book was going to be a fit for the show. And then you sent me the book and I I kept looking at the book and I and then I read it and I went, oh, people got to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So. Here's one of the things, chapter one, uh, part one, by the way, the books divide up into three sections and um, the chapters, chapter one is why host a party. And you say something in a subtitle that says, making friends as an adult is hard. And by the way, that is so true. It is difficult um, as an adult to make relationships. I coach clients and uh, you know it's one of the things that they struggle with is actually... You know, meeting new people, you know, extroverted or introverted, it's difficult. Mm. And you say that science, you, you've done it, you've, I saw the study, that there's a study that you mentioned here that found that most American adults haven't made a new friend in over five years. And then you reference another study that nearly half the adults report in, in, report feeling lonely and left out. And the study even said it has reached epidemic levels. And then you say, no one teaches adults how to make new friends. You do that in this book, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, That's it is an epidemic, and it's a problem, and it's just getting worse. I read another stat that said 19% of American men say they don't have a single close friend, 15% of women, which is wild. And while it may not be the case for your listeners or for the people you work with, know that this could be the case for your neighbors and for people you know as acquaintances. And the purpose of these parties that I host is to help people meet other people. And trust me, it helps you for sure, but it also helps all the people who attend your party. That's what really makes them successful with this formula.
0: And you talk about structure as being a real key to being successful, which I think, which I think goes against the grain when we think of a party. We think of a party, oh, we just invite a bunch of people over and you know, we'll just have a good time. But that's not that's not the crux of what you do. It's about structure, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes. I get so frustrated when I go to a gathering or something where there's no structure. You know, I went to this amazing holiday party a few months ago and there were all these incredible people in the room. And after an hour, I asked my date, I said, Is the host gonna do anything, say anything, introduce people? And she said, no, why would he do that? And I was like, oh, what a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. And here's why. When you go to a party, and a lot of the listeners to your show are high achievers, either in their business or in their career. Frankly, you wanna know who's in the room who could be going through similar struggle situations as you. You wanna network and connect. You wanna meet people with your shared interests. And at most gatherings, where there's no structure, that is left to the extroverts to go up and work the room. And look, you may listen to this say, I love parties, that's me, that's me, right? And that's great, but realize that over half the people are introverts, they're a little shy, maybe they have social anxiety. And so I think about how to create a format, a formula, a gathering that really helps make a lot of people be successful. Not just the extroverts like Jay, who know how to work a room, but I'm talking everybody else. You know, it could be the spouse of somebody else who's been brought along for there and doesn't feel uncomfortable, mm. helping them to meet new people and make new conversations. My formula involves a lot of conversational crutches to make those new conversations easier. Mm.
0: And and here's I, you, you do list out several benefits of it. You know, but one of the things that really struck me, and this is the psychological professional that I am, that why it hit me so hard because I know this particular piece of research it's strengthening a weak ties and What if people don't understand what weak ties are is that? when it comes to how people find out about new jobs or getting a new job or or Getting an interview or anything like that. It's through weak ties. That is people we see occasionally perhaps once or twice a year and the research was done by Mark Granovetter uh, who actually coined the term in 1973 but these parties that you're doing strengthen weak ties and give you a huge advantage, don't they?
1: Yes, that's the big thing that I will talk till my breath goes out about the benefit of building up your network. And you know this, but the idea is that, well, first, let me ask you, what do you think about that phrase? Um, like, What is it? Your network is your net worth.
0: Mm. Oh, I, I agree with it.
1: Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I,
0: I really do. Well, I really do because I think that, I think you're only, I mean, if if Jim Rohn was correct, I think Jim Rohn said it, right? That in five yes. years you will be the, the, the accumulation of the books you read and the people you'll hang out with. Yeah. Well, if you don't hang out with any new people or you have very few people to hang up with, how much worth do you have?
1: right. Right. So, so that yes, I like that phrase, and I feel it, and I know it works because I use it to lat to grow my last business, which was Museum Hack. I did this weird thing; we did Renegade Museum Tours, and it started as a hobby, and it turned into a multi-million-dollar business. I don't say that to brag, but just yeah. to put in perspective that this actually works. And the idea that we find out about the best new opportunities, whether it's for jobs, for dating, for business deals, business partners, or even hiring new employees, it's through those weak ties, those loose connections, what people call acquaintances, that we find those things through our LinkedIn networks, our neighbors, stuff like that. Hosting parties, I found, was the best way for me to truly add value and create a good, amazing, strong network of acquaintances.
0: Okay, so you've already self-titled yourself as an introvert. Right, and and I am more of an extrovert, certainly. Yeah, and, I
1: think I have both. I I will take. I present myself as an extrovert. I'm here on the podcast. Sure. I do that. I, I host parties, but at my own parties, I will sneak away and go into my bedroom, lie down on the bed, and scroll social media because I just need a break. Right, and right. So I do that.
0: Well, that would well, then that that really is a definition of an introvert, right? Because introverts introverts refresh themselves by getting away. That's what yes. they, that's what they do. I mean, that's how they. Extroverts get re, rejuvenated by being around people. We, that's what yeah. rejuvenates us. Introverts, you know, mm. get get re energized by being by themselves for uh-huh. periods of time. So I would I would argue that you know, not argue, but I would say, well, you probably maybe lean a little more introverted, but which is okay. But we usually have a little bit of both. All right, so let's mm-hmm. be clear there. But what you set up here is is for introverts too. That's what I I think this is what's important because people, I I can hear introverts already saying, you know what? I don't know that I could do this. I mean, I, you know, Nick, you know, it sounds like a really great idea, but uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do some more convincing to me as an introvert. So how how would you convince them?
1: So here's what I found, especially in inviting introverts. I dated a woman for a long time who's an introvert who had social anxiety too. two separate things to be clear. I found that introverts and people like that want to know what to expect. Mm. And they, when they know what to expect, when you set the expectations for what'll happen at the party, it helps them have more clarity. It helps them have more confidence. And so when we do things like telling them who's gonna be attended, mm. when we tell them that there'll be name tags and icebreakers so there's no clicks, when we give them an idea of an agenda, when they know it's only two hours long, Mm. it helps them have confidence to know what to expect, which eases their concerns. Mm. I talked to a guy who read my book, his name is Tom, and he teaches screenwriting at the University of Houston here in Texas. And Tom said, look, I'm an introvert. I take social anxiety medicine. I could never host a party. But he said, your book gave me a job. It gave me a role, a minute-by-minute layout with the exact scripts of what to say to the first people who arrive and how to kick people out at the end. He said, I literally read from your book at the party and it was a huge success and I never would have done it if I didn't have your framework. Mm. And it's just to show that I'm trying to inspire a new generation of hosts. Mm. Because while you, Jay, are probably a natural host, I would guess, there are a lot of people out there who simply never host or they only host on very special occasions and it stresses them out so much that they say they'll never do it again. Mm, mm. And so I'm trying to show, look, there's an easier way to do this, what I found the minimum viable party, that it's not about the food or the decorations, it's about the people and the conversations.
0: Mm, mm. See, this this is what I love about your book because, it, it it became something that you're adding value to others right And, and yes, you are getting something back mm. but it's that value add right because it seemed to me everything I read in, in this book was about you know it's about the people. it's it's really not not about you. I mean it will be because you're going to get benefit from it, but it's really about adding value to other people and that's a mindset twist. You know, because we want to think that going to a networking event, you know, a giant networking event is about others, but this is really, as I said in the intro, not about creating a wider group of people, but by creating a deeper group of people.
1: Mm,
0: mm. I mean, isn't that what you're really doing?
1: I think so. I think that it can be hard Think about somebody like you who probably literally knows hundreds and hundreds of people by first name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My assumption is that it's it's pretty hard for you to have dinners with all those people. Oh. you're yeah. You're a busy guy, and it's not just you, but many people listening could probably make a long list of all the people they've said, oh, we should get a beer sometime. Oh, oh we should have coffee. Oh, we should get dinner. And you never do because life gets in the way and yep. it's hard to schedule. Yep. The idea with these parties is that in the same time it takes you to watch a movie on Netflix, you could reconnect with 15 to 20 people Mm. in that same two hour time block. You can deepen your relationships with that mere acquaintance to somebody who you now invite into your home and build a connection with. And that's what I found the biggest benefits in my personal and business life from.
0: Beautiful. His name is Nick Gray. The book, The Two-Hour Cocktail Party, How to Build Big Relationships with Small Gatherings. We're going to, when we come back, we're going to talk about the message for the skeptics and the introverts a little bit more here, all right? So, we're going to talk to you skeptics a little bit. You're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks. Uh... I have two outstanding sponsors. Epic Physical Therapy, of course, is one of them. Listen, you know, whether you're suffering from everyday aches and pains, maybe you had surgery or an injury, you're a professional athlete, you just want to get better. Listen, they're going to customize this treatment program that's specifically for you. So, when you're looking for your Epic Relief, your Epic Recovery, your Epic Results, don't look any further. Go to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. They're going to help you. And Linda Craft Team, realtors for more than 38 years. They made it top the real estate game, but what they're really, really best at is they help people in transition in life. And you go, what? That's real estate. What's what that going to do with life? Well, think about it. Every place you've ever lived has been a trans transition in life. And they have helped thousands of people all over with their transition in life. And that's moving. And so they take the stress right, and the pressure as much as they can do out of that transition in life. So listen, when you're ready to make your next life transition, whether that's buying a house or selling a house, start with Linda Craft Team Realtors. They're going to help you in your transition. It's real easy. Just go to it's lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, Nick Gray. And his book, The Two Hour Cocktail Party. Uh, let's let's talk to some of these skeptics a little bit because I got a few things that you brought up here in the book. I figure we here's one of the questions that a skeptic will have. Well, Nick, what if people don't show up?
1: That's the number one fear. It's the number one fear of a new host that nobody will show up. And we use the concept of a core group in order to make sure that people will show up. A core group is your five friends, neighbors, colleagues, the people that if only they show up, you'll still have a good time. And we don't actually plan the party unless they say yes, that they'll attend. Mm -hmm. And so the concept of a core group paired with the concept of a long runway. Long runway means you wanna give yourself as a new host at least three weeks from the time you say that you're gonna do it until the party. That three weeks gives you enough time to fill up and guarantee all these attendees. I'm happy to say that for readers of my book, they report over a 93% attendance rate, which is unreal from the days of Facebook events where you would spam people, and maybe 30 would say they show up and only like nine of them do. With my formula and format, which is not rocket science. I'll teach everybody here. I'm not trying to hide the secrets of my book. It involves using a core group. Core group means you ask your five friends Hey, I'm thinking of hosting a happy hour on Tuesday night, May 19th. If I do it, would you come? And you get five yeses. And only once you get five yeses, then your party is happening. You make an RSVP page. You reach out to other people, et cetera. If you don't get five yeses, you choose another date and time, and you try again. That saves you the embarrassment, because most people say, what's actually worse than no one showing up is if only two or three people show up. Then it's like, oh, my God, these people are here. They know it's not good. What do I do for those two hours? So we want to do everything ahead of time to make sure that that doesn't happen. And it won't. I'm happy to say ways we do that. Number one, we send three reminder messages leading up to the party. Those three reminder messages help keep your party top of mind and get your people to show up. Number two, those messages have a secret weapon that's called my guest bios. Guest bios are little blurbs that you write about them. Could be as simple as, Rob is my neighbor, he loves to practice yoga, ask him about his new bike. Or they could be a little more um, professional. Uh, Janie works at Microsoft and the client support, um, ask her about um, triathlon training. There's different, you can go as deep as you want, but those things get people excited to attend and it raises the level of excitement and also commits them. We do other stuff where when you you do a double opt-in introduction, so you ask people first, hey, I'm hosting the party on this date and time. Can I send you the info? Only if they say yes, then you invite them to the party. If they say no, you don't even bother. Now you're doing this double opt-in to get their commitments. I think where most people make the mistake, Jay, is they just spray and pray. They send out <laughs> party invites and they see who's going to show up. And they're terrified, wondering. This way, you know who's going to show up. And most of the work in my book is guaranteeing that those people show up.
0: That's beautiful. All right, here's the next skeptic. Nick, it's, it's it's too much work.
1: Oh, yeah. It's too much work. A lot of people have hosted dinner parties, especially it's too much work. It is. That's why I don't host dinner parties. I'm obsessed with what's the easiest possible way. Now, look, for those of you who are worried that it is too much work, I will say that there's a little bit of work. You have to invite people. So you're gonna have to put some time, maybe the time you'd put into watching a movie, like I said. But where we choose to spend that time, I will tell you that this will have the biggest rewards, that the network that you build, just like Jay was saying, just like the importance of those people you surround yourself with, it will pay itself back. I just, I mean, I can't think how much it's done for me and other people that have learned to host.
0: Okay, next, next skeptic question. Nick, it's too much stress.
1: It's too much stress, I hear that. One of the best parts about my party formula is that the party ends after two hours, which gives you time to tidy up and clean and just recharge because the worst thing is to wake up the next day feeling drained, exhausted, or hungover. And the idea of thinking, where are most of the stressors? Well, it's in decorations and in food. My parties don't have any of those. It's in stress of knowing if people will show up. Well, I guarantee that they'll show up and I'll show you how to make that happen. And then people want to know, what do I do at the party? Well, all of that is listed out in an agenda as well to make it easy to know that you can be successful.
0: Mm, It's beautiful. All right, next one. Nick,
1: I'm too busy. Oh, I'm too busy. That's a good one. Everybody is too busy. And we prioritize what's important to us. And so the idea of I don't have any time or... This isn't a priority What I I would encourage your guests to do is to simply pick a date. I know that if you make it in your calendar, then you make it real. Mm -hmm. And if you set a date three or four weeks out in the future, you will make it real. And as you start to invite people, I promise you it all comes together. It's not that hard to host.
0: All right. Next skeptic question, Nick, it's going to cost too much.
1: Oh, this one's one of my favorites. You can host a great party for under $100. In fact, maybe under 50 if you have some of the liquor supplies. I find that I set up a self-serve bar at my parties and I have things like non-alcoholic options, plenty. I have a few cheap bottles of wine, maybe some cans of beer, but I list very simple supplies and let it be a self-serve bar and all those supplies are way less than $100. Yeah,
0: this is this is the beautiful thing that I saw uh, when I was because you know you actually if you read this book by the way get the book because he's got the it's got all listed out what you would need for the party. By the way, he's got a list. He's got it pre listed for you so that you don't go. I don't even know what I would start. He's got it listed. By the way, he even has scripts for you in this book. I'm, I'm just, it's all right here in this book. It, it just, he's got it all. That the scripts and everything, what you need to say, what you need to write, what you need to text, what you need to email, right? He's got it all in this book. So, you really, it's it's that good. Um, it made me feel so comfortable going, gosh, I can do this and I'm going to do it. It's really, really cool. All right. Yeah. Here's, the, here's, here's one of your headlines that I just feel like you got to answer. So, Nick, why use the word cocktail party?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So cocktail party, that phrase encapsulates an easy, lightweight social gathering. You know, you don't have to serve cocktails. You don't even know how to make cocktails. But a cocktail party is an easy, lightweight thing that anyone can just show up to and know that they'll have a lot of little conversations. Mm. It doesn't make people feel locked in like a dinner party. Mm. It doesn't make people feel like they don't know what to expect. Again, it goes back to setting these expectations.
0: Mm, beautiful. That's beautiful. All right. So chapter two is, we just can't believe it. We're only just get out of chapter one. Chapter two, <laughs> when to host a party. And you've already talked about the party runway. Give, three, give it the three weeks out. Uh, but the one intriguing thing that you say uh, in this chapter that I found so intriguing was the best day criteria. You choose Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Help us out there.
1: So it's a controversial idea, but I believe that by hosting on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, you get less cancellations, less no-shows, more people who say yes, and it's not a socially competitive night. Mm. What do I mean by that? Well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights tend to be socially competitive. And as a new host, you're more likely to get bumped for something else that comes up. You get scheduled conflicts, things like that. The other idea is that on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, it's not an opportunity for a crazy blowout, blackout kegger. This is a simple <laughs> social gathering to say hello, not a drink-all-night bender.
0: Right, right. It's it's two hours. Yeah. Right, and it's conversations. Okay, which which leads me to the next question you ask, ask in this chapter and that is well what time works best on monday tuesday or wednesday
1: i find that a two-hour time block approximately 6:30 to 8 30 now that could be six to eight seven to nine it could be five to seven if you're in a different part but when i was in new york i did seven to nine things started later there and they went later here in Austin, Texas, where I live now, we do things a little earlier. Six to eight tends to work better. Mm. Use your own cultural judgment, but I think a little earlier, and that gives people time to either eat dinner before or after your party.
0: Right. Cause it's again, it's not about the dinner. And then the other thing that you say that's so cool that I love about this concept of, you know, because uh, I kind of dig the six thirty to eight thirty thing, is that, you know, people can generally be home by nine o'clock. Yes. Right, they're not. Yeah. They're you know you're not blasted out. You can go to work the next day because we've got yes. we've, we're working, right? I mean there's just so many advantages and because everybody knows it's two hours, it's two yes. hours, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they'll thank you for it. That's the surprising thing. They will thank you for ending the party early. It's one of the craziest things when you end your party on a high note. When you end it when things are going well, not when it's drizzling fizzling out people love it and they respect you and you'll be surprised the thank you messages you'll get
0: i just think that's such a cool concept because you know sometimes we we, if we and it's again comes back to setting up those expectations because everybody knows just a couple hours Mm. right you're willing to give up that time because i know i'm not gonna be there all night
1: yes yes it's an easy easy commitment And I think that's the difference is when you invite people, you want to try to make it easy for them to say yes. By the way, a secret I found of giving out thousands of party invitations, everyone loves to be invited to a party. You know, inviting someone to a party is a gift that you get to give someone. It's very special.
0: Mm, mm, Beautiful. Chapter three, uh, where to host a party. And you have a word here that I've never, it just made me giggle. It's, um, a Barty, B-A-R-T-Y, a Barty is the enemy. <laughs> so maybe help people know what a Barty is and, and uh, give them a little bit of insight into that and why it's such an enemy.
1: A Barty is a party that's hosted at a bar. Imagine you're invited to a birthday and it's simply just people meeting at a bar. Now, when I was in New York, this happened all the time. I'm sure it happens in other cities. Sure. It happens because it's easy. It's also a little bit lazy, but I understand why people do it. A Barty happens because it's easy for the host. It's a common, nice environment. They don't have to stress about it. You kind of just show up. The problem with a Barty is the following number one, you don't know who's there for the party. It's a mixed crowd. Mm. Number two, you cannot control the environment. Mm. Number three, as a host, it's frankly not very generous. Mm. Remember that hosting is meant to be generous and vulnerable you're inviting someone into your home. We'll talk about the home thing later, yeah. but a Barty doesn't have that. A yeah. Barty is transactional. I show up to a bar. It's I'm just put into the mindset of, oh, this is a networking event, right? Right. I'm not thankful for that per se.
0: Right. Yeah, you used the word transactional, which I think is a great word that, you know, when you go to a Barty, it's a transactional and it's the opposite of welcoming is what you say. And I, I think that's a beautiful way to phrase that. I think we should. I think we should just go to the next question right here in this chapter. So why why you should why should we stay at home and do this party?
1: So I think hosting at home turbocharges your relationships. Inviting someone into your home is so vulnerable that it's almost like going on a mini date with them. <laughs> and people love to see homes. By the way, mm-hmm. I lived in a very small apartment in New York City. So if you're thinking about this, oh my home is too small, it's too messy, it's too far away know that it probably isn't. For 95% of the people, hosting at home is the right option. I have a whole chapter about why it's so important, trying to get over some of your limiting beliefs about your location, size, or scale. But I'll tell you this, number one, small homes and apartments are actually better for parties than big mansions. Mm. Big mansions, have you ever been to a party that's in a huge space? Yes. And how does the energy feel, Jay?
0: Well, everybody gets lost because they go into their little clicks and they go into their silos. Yeah. And so then what happens is, is you, you, you go to different rooms or go to different areas and there's a silo of people over here and a silo of people over here and you never feel connected.
1: Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. I found that smaller spaces are better because people, the energy is contagious. It's loud. It's exciting. You're mm-hmm. bumping into people. Mm-hmm. The conversations happen oddly more naturally. Mm. in big, huge spaces. So I do tell people that have huge mansions. I say, look, turn the lights off in some of these rooms. Close the doors. Block off areas. You need to get people packed in and packed together Mm. so that there's these collisions. Now, that's what I look for at a party, to know if it's going well, is are people moving around? Mm. Is everybody talking and are groups moving or have they been locked in? Sitting down, by the way, is the kryptonite to a successful event. Mm. Think about it. It's very hard to approach someone who's sitting down it takes a lot to join that conversation mm. and once we're sitting down we have inertia we don't want to get up it's hard to get up and move yeah. we're more inclined just to sit and relax and so i tell people a lot of the time look remove the chairs if you have a ton of chairs around your dining room remove the chairs you want people standing to help them mix and mingle
0: mm. good good stuff there let's jump to chapter four who to invite You you talked about the core group right and and we need to get those first five confirmations from our core, core group of people but some people may say because we talked about it that you know some people don't have a core group how do we create a core group if we don't have one
1: my advice and my guidance is a little bit harder for people that have zero friends hmm. and i would say that this format and this formula works better and i feel more qualified if you have at least five people who you can invite. Now, if you do not have that, I'll try to take a stab at it. There's the age old advice that I'm sure you've heard that is to join a sports team or a league or a hobby or a church group. One hack on that that I've heard is that if you want to join a sports group, look for the sports that have the biggest teams. For example, kickball generally has the biggest teams and both of the teams go out for drinks or socializing afterwards. Look for events like that that you can join where you have the opportunity to mix and mingle and talk and meet new friends. The phrase that you would use if you don't know anybody yet, you're new to town, would be something like, hey, I'm new to town. I'm meeting some interesting people. I'd love to host a happy hour to get people together in a couple of weeks. Can I send you the info? That phrase, can I send you the info, is the easiest way to get somebody's contact information. Mm. Remember, everyone wants to be invited to a party. Mm. It's a gift that you get to give. And it will give you time a couple of weeks to collect and build up your list of people.
0: Cool. All right. Next question. How many people should we invite to this party?
1: The minimum number of people that you want to have attend is 15. And I'll tell you why I found the difference in a room between 15 and 11 is monumental. You walk into a room of 11 people and you kind of know immediately that you'll be able to talk to everybody in two hours. When you have 15 to 20 people, that's the right number of attendees based on my experience. It's enough that you as a host actually can do less work. It's less work when you get into that range. And it's also enough people that there's momentum, there's energy that new conversations are forming and mixing and mingling. Under 15 and that doesn't happen. Over about 22 and it's too much. Mm. You don't get a chance to really connect with everybody. You can't run the icebreakers like i say you should over 22 is too complicated so i think 15 to 20 is a sweet spot as far as how many you need to invite well it depends on the strength of your network for me frankly i'm being honest i have a very wide network of loose connections i know a lot of people a little bit well and i need to invite maybe 40 people in order to get 20 to attend Mm. other people i've talked to have very tight communities i talked to a guy just yesterday who said he invited 19 and 21 showed up some people brought their friends that can happen and it depends based on you how how busy you are how busy your friends are how well they know you things like that
0: beautiful his name is nick gray the book the two-hour cocktail party and it's just getting started you see what i did there Uh, i see what you did you know what you're listening to here on a new direction Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy, they are uh, they have a couple, couple of locations. They offer the top-of-the-line equipment, including the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Norma Tech compression sleeves, game ready. That's just a few. They're trained and certified in the most comprehensive uh, cutting-edge treatments like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping, and that's just a few. Look, here's the deal. When you're looking for Epic Relief, Epic Recovery, Epic Results, don't look any further. Just go to EpicPT.com. It's epicp type epicp You You won't regret it. I promise you. And then Craft Team Realtors. More than 38 years. Helping people transition in their life because after all, you know what? Every place you move, transition in life. But here's the thing. Their clients say they're the legends of customer service. Beyond none. I mean, even her first client from 1985 still shows up today. So listen. When you're ready to make that transition in life, whether you're ready to sell your home, buy your home, start start right where you should start. It doesn't matter where you live. They're independently owned. They're not part of a national company. They will find the best person for you. Just go to lindacraft.com It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction with my friend, uh, Nick Gray. I think I could call you friend. Can't I call you friend, Nick?
1: I think I can. Yes, especially now that you're gonna host a party, you are confirmed. <laughs>
0: okay, so so we invite, we got we've got our core group, we got five. Should we start inviting the VIPs right away to that first party?
1: You're good, Jay. You're good. No, do not invite your VIPs yet. Your first party needs to be a low stakes affair. Okay. Do not pull from the top shelf. Now, what do we mean by VIPs? <laughs> well, as high achievers who listen to this podcast you want to connect with and network with other successful business owners, entrepreneurs, etc. Don't invite them yet. Your first party is practice. Your first party is just to see that you can host this easily and you'll practice doing some icebreakers, name tags, the invitations. I suggest for your first party, invite your old work colleagues, invite people you know from long time in town, your neighbors, Mm. your friends, their spouses. Invite those people to practice this. And then at your next party, you know, six to eight weeks afterwards, invite half of that group and half of a new group. And that's when you can start to reach and use these parties to build your network.
0: Got it. So the second and third parties, six to eight weeks. And then after that, then maybe looking at some of the VIPs later on down the road. So maybe, yes. by, maybe by the third or fourth party, we're looking at the VIPs.
1: Third party for sure.
0: Okay. Okay, good. Cool. Cool. I, I love what we're doing there. I think that's a great idea. Um, you you talk about, in Chapter 5, it's called The Magic of Name Tags. And a lot of people will say, oh, man, really? You're going to do name tags, Nick? Why, why do I got to do name tags?
1: I feel so strongly about name tags. I will die on this hill, by the way. <laughs> Good for you.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. Why do you feel so strongly about name tags?
1: Number one, I'm bad with names myself. I've used them just because I'm bad with names. Number two, they serve as a visual unifier Mm. that this whole party is a safe space to go meet somebody new and create new connections. What this party is not is a a party of clicks. Now I asked a question recently on my social media, do you mix your friend groups? I was surprised only 60% said yes. That means 40% of people never mix their friend groups. They have their golf buddies, they have their church friends, they have their neighbors and they never mix the groups. Mm. I've found the most success when I mix my groups together and name tags serve to unify everybody so there's not a click. Mm. The third reason I like name tags is that for those people that are a little bit shy, they do help us to eliminate the number one thing, the sweetest sound to anyone's ears is the sound of their own name. And the idea of just helping you, why not make it easier to help remember people's names?
0: I, I, I love, I loved, you know, at first I was a little resistant to the idea of name tags, but then, and when I read those things that you just said, I was like, oh man, that makes so much sense. And now you're, you don't put first and last names. It's just first name only.
1: I do first name only and big block letters, just first name.
0: Okay. And, and you write the name tag out. You don't let the guests do it.
1: Yes. I think it's helpful to write the name tag yourself because you want to make that connection with every single guest you want to say jay welcome to my party i'm so glad you're here let me grab you a name tag that is your chance as the host to welcome them to see them and to make your connection at the start of the party Mm
0: -hmm. now we've already talked about you know using your core friends to start your first party and build from build from your core do you have a particular event page that you like using over another to help make this all work Or maybe some that that you don't recommend?
1: um, I like to use a platform called Mixily, Mm -hmm. spelled uh, Mm M-I-X-I-L-Y. Generation Z, the youth love to use one called um, Partyful. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents like to use Evite. I personally don't like Evite. I find that it has too much ads, too much spam. Mm -hmm. I don't want my, my party attendees to have to sign up for some service or register. I just want them to say yes or no put in their email address. Those are the ones that I like. Ultimately, the most important thing is to make sure you're collecting RSVPs. Mm. What you don't wanna do is simply spray and pray a graphic that you make that just says the date and the time. You wanna get the social commitment. You want that contract of they're saying, yes, I'm going to come, I'm going to RSVP. That alone will boost your attendance rate massively. Mm.
0: Uh, you, You also say that don't be afraid to send out reminders. Because you you have, a I think, a three-stage process about reminding people. Yes. Do I have that right, three stages? I think that's right, yeah, three-stage process, right?
1: Yes, that's it. I do three reminder messages. One, that's a week before your party. Two, that's four days before your party. And the third and final one is the day of, the morning of your party. Okay. And I think that a lot of people, oh, I'm, I'm worried I'm spamming. Look, I've hosted hundreds of parties, and no one has ever said to me, quit spamming me about that free party. <laughs> Quit bothering me about that free party. No, this is not a situation. So we got to keep our party top of mind and we need right. to keep it aware and in people's mindset so that they don't flake out. So they don't use all oh, works going late, something else. Okay. When they see that you're a host who cares, when they see that you're putting work into this, people appreciate that.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I get that. I'm going to skip ahead to part three, which is called party time. And in chapter 11, it's entitled, Navigating the First 20 Minutes. I think, and you, and you nailed this one. Well, you nailed the whole book, but this one you really nailed. The first 20 minutes of any event are the most stressful. I'm quoting you. I call this window of time the awkward zone. It's a phase almost every party passes through. And you are so right. So help us get through the awkward zone in that first 20 minutes, Nick. What do we do?
1: Well, the awkward zone is real. It happens at every event. It's that first period of time when you don't know if people are going to come or not. Number one, when you host a party using a two-hour time window, you'll be shocked and surprised as how many people show up on time. Because when it's not a rolling start, have you ever been invited to a barbecue that yes. starts at like 4 p.m. with no end time? Yes. And you're like, sheesh, what time do I even show up? You're doing this mental right. calculus. They're like, well, the host is from the Midwest, their wife's Brazilian, I guess I need to show up three hours late, but the meat will be cold. It's this whole calculus, and we (laughs) get rid of all that when you host at a two-hour window. People know what to expect. I find that that two-hour window helps to compress the awkward zone. The other thing you can do to avoid the awkward zone, because sometimes this happens, the person you know the least shows up first. Mm -hmm. That happens. It's funny how that happens. Mm The way you can get around that is by asking a couple people in your core group to show up 15 minutes early. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, help me out. Would really appreciate if you show up a few minutes early just to be there at the beginning. That's something that you can do just to make your party easier and launch with success.
0: What, one of the things I, I I had to chuckle because this is so would be so me. It's uh, it's how are you how not to basically handle the awkward zone the story about Jessica.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yes. Yes. This, this happened to me. Um, I, I've not always been good at small talk. I've been a little bit awkward. I'm still a little bit awkward and a woman showed up to my party and I, I just blurted out to the room. The first thing I remembered about her, I said, Hey everyone, this is Jessica. She's Mormon. Um, (laughs) and you know, there's a polite rule in American society that you don't talk about religion and politics with people you just met and nobody, Nobody wanted to really talk. They didn't know what to do. She felt awkward. My guest felt awkward. <laughs> so that was not the way to handle the awkward zone. I made it more awkward.
0: Uh, okay, so note to self. Note to self. Somebody shows up and tells you what religion they are, you do not need to tell everybody else. Okay, that's that's yes. that's, that's that's awesome. I do want to cover here in the last few minutes uh, chapter 12, Icebreakers, because I'm a big fan. First of all, I'm a huge fan of Icebreakers. I'm a huge, huge fan of them uh, for any size group um, that I've done. I love icebreakers, but they are, expe- they are especially important to the two-hour cocktail party. So let's help people understand icebreakers a little bit, and and you know maybe one of your favorites. And because there's going to be three icebreakers during the course of the evening, so let's walk through that a little yes. bit in a few minutes
1: so let's talk about the theory behind them first and then your guests can adjust if they need to the theory behind icebreakers is there a conversational crutch to give people an excuse to go say hey to somebody new the icebreakers also serve as a roll call to know who else is in the room look if jay goes to a party he probably wants to meet somebody else who hosts a podcast mm-hmm. you don't know that until you do a round of icebreakers to learn who's in the party all my icebreakers that i recommend have three key components Number one, say your name. Number two, say what you do for work or how you spend your days. And number three is the icebreaker question. That's, that's the third part, that's that's the icebreaker question. We say those first two at every single one just to encourage those new conversations. Even if you think, oh, of course, people remember what I do, they they don't remember. There's a lot going on at these parties so what questions do i ask well i think icebreakers get a bad rep because people ask the wrong questions they ask questions that are brain teasers Mm. they ask questions where they're trying to impress their friends with the most creative icebreaker that's terrible that's a terrible icebreaker a good icebreaker at the beginning of your party when there's no rapport a good icebreaker is one that's easy to answer easy to think of elicits no judgment from others and shares a little bit about your personality For that reason, my favorite beginner icebreaker at the start of a party is, what is one of your favorite things that you like to eat for breakfast? Mm. Speaking of which, I wanna ask Jay, what is one of your favorites? I'll tell you mine if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Uh, mine is scrambled eggs. I make scrambled eggs, but my secret ingredient is coconut oil, and I add a little bit of coconut oil to sweeten it up, and I add some salt and pepper and occasionally spinach. What do you do?
0: Two eggs, sunny side up uh turkey bacon a couple slices of avocado and an english muffin
1: oh i love english muffins this yeah, sounds yeah, good yeah
0: yeah that's that's if the, you know and and if i really splurging maybe some grits because i'm in the Ooh.
1: south. oh yeah that's nice i like that now why does the icebreaker question work because we all eat breakfast or choose not to eat breakfast every single day it's easy to think about it generally has a positive memory It's fast for us to answer, fast to think about, and it shares a little bit about our personality and who we are, Mm. okay? So that's what I want at the beginning of a party, just to get the momentum going, to get people talking and chatting. Later on at the party, towards about an hour later for your last, third, and final icebreaker, you'll use what I call a value additive icebreaker. I'm telling you all my secrets. value additive icebreaker means people leave your party feeling smarter like they learned new things a good example of that question is what is one of your favorite things in raleigh Mm. it could be a, a cafe a small business a coffee shop a library branch a hiking trail or a dog park what's a cool thing in town that you think others should know about that you like and support in your town that's one the one i use at all of my events is what's one of your favorite pieces of media? It could be a documentary you watched recently, a book you read, a podcast like this that you listen to, a YouTube video. Just what's something you've read or consumed recently that you like and wanna share? Mm. When you have people answer that, what happens is the whole room gets smarter. They get recommendations, they get ideas, they're sharing. Ooh, I love that show. Oh, I watched Last of Us, that's so good. They're connecting over that shared thing. And so that's what we want is for people to leave your party like they met a lot of people. They got new ideas. They're inspired. It's why you're going to get more thank you messages from this type of party than any other.
0: It's beautiful. Nick, we've done an hour. and it's That go- was
1: wild. <laughs> it
0: goes so fast. I tell people, you don't know how fast an hour goes. Tell people how they can get a hold of you, Nick.
1: Well, my name is Nick Gray. I wrote a book called The Two Hour Cocktail Party. And this can be used to host a variety of different things. You know, you could even host a baby shower with this, a networking event or a happy hour. And like Jay said, it's hard to make new friends as adults, you know? There is something called a friendship recession that's happening now. Mm. And it's being written about and quoted. Uh, I'll include some links in the show notes, but you can find my book anywhere books are sold. I recorded the uh, Audio book myself. I have a blog, nickgray.net, and I'm on social media at nickgraynews. N E W S.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Nick. Stay with me. Hey, folks, it's the show. You know what I say to you every week, right? You're in control of three things: your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency, right? Listen, I know your circumstances can be rough and they can be tough, but at the same time, you can control those things. Doesn't matter what's happening. You're in control of your attitude. You're in control of getting back up again. You're in control of your effort. Take advantage of that i will be back next week with another great guest. It's gonna be another great book. It's gonna be another great show. As I say to you all over, it's this. You know what? You had a lot of choices, you chose us, and I'm really grateful that you did that. Give us a re- positive review and maybe you know five stars. You know what? And you know what? As I say to you all over the world, you know you what that is. Ciao things every things are change. You can find a straight to go a different way, yeah. Your dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength Don't worry anymore A new direction